Hello, welcome to another episode of You Had Me at Rom-Com. I'm Jessica Richards. Chloe Jacobs is unfortunately out this week, so I'm here with a guest. But this is the podcast where we talk about your favorite romantic comedies and why we love hate them, love slash hate them. And we are in the midst of Sandra Bullocktober, so we have to power through even though Chloe couldn't be here this week. And I have a very special guest, Lauren Valley from the Valley. That's me. Hello. <laughs> and thank you for doing this with me because this is my favorite Sandra Bullock movie of all time, While You Were Sleeping. It's fantastic. It's a movie you cannot sleep through. No. <laughs> Especially with the soundtrack. Oh, it's very good. Great score. It's like we're in the middle of October, but now I feel like it's Christmas. Yeah, it's it, this movie, watching it again made me be like, oh, I'm so ready for Christmas, even though the movie is not really a Christmas movie. No, it starts like... It starts almost the day before Christmas, it feels like, and then we're on Christmas and we're out of Christmas within like 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it ends in January. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it starts with her like putting up Christmas decorations and then it ends with her like taking off Christmas decorations. So it feels like the whole movie is Christmas. Totally. I mean, this is why she's relatable. We all, none of us take down our Christmas decorations until halfway <laughs> through January, right? Well, if you look, my Christmas lights are up year round. <laughs> so. <laughs> So I very much relate to that. Always. Yes. So um, as we're celebrating Sandra Bullock-tober, what is your relationship with Sandra Bullock? Um, I love Sandra Bullock. This is probably one of my first memories of a rom-com is this movie. Mm. I used to watch it all the time on TV. But Sandra Bullock, I really, the first time I really remember her was in this movie called Hope Floats. Yes. With Harry Connick Jr., and I'm not like, a rom-com. Not that's like a rom-drum. Very drum. I'm like a child of divorce and there's this one scene Same. When, when her like <laughs> her daughter is like crying and like trying to go with her dad Ugh. and that was like really spoke to me and the way like Sandra Bullock like handled that emotion I was like oh I should be nicer to my mom. Like I remember having that moment watching that movie like that's how powerful Sandra Bullock's performance was to me. I took uh, I took my mom to see that. I say that. I was like 10. I took my mom out to see that movie. and Because um, I was obsessed with Sandra Bullock. I have been since Speed. And so I dragged my mom to every Sandra Bullock movie. And we saw that. And it was like a year after my parents' divorce. Ooh, real fresh. And I was like, oh, mom, this is perfect for you. You just got divorced and are starting over and raising a daughter. And she did not agree that it was, like, the movie for her at the time. You're like, hello, it's relatable. Is it? It's like she's speaking to us. I had, like, this weird relationship with Sandra Bullock where I think it started with Hope Floats where, like, she did that movie right after my parents got divorced. And then she did 28 Days right after my sister got sober. And then, and then it was, like, a little bit, like, more of a stretch. I was like, she's driving a Jeep like my Jeep in Murder by Numbers, and she's staying on Whidbey Island where my grandma lives in Practical uh, practical Magic. So almost. <laughs> I just... was like, she is my soulmate. <laughs> <laughs> she seems like a lovely lady. This is before that, though, because this is like, I feel where we all just fell in love with her. I mean, like, she's great yes. in speed, but this is her show. She definitely carries this film. If you read the synopsis to anyone a woman mm-hmm. who like falls in love with someone she's never met and then like basically catfishes his family yeah just thinking that they're gonna be married she's like basically found like a rich man who's gonna take care of her like it sounds insane but she is so charming yeah that you and fall in love with her she makes the best faces throughout it's like a very gym in the office before gym in the office totally of like you can tell 
everything she's thinking the whole time and how much she wants to be honest. And she's so quirky and lovable. So cute. They don't dress her like sexy in any way. No. She feel she feels really young in this. Yes. She is 31. I feel like I can believe that now as someone who's closer to that age. But like, I mean, as a kid, I would not, I would have guessed 21 probably. I would have guessed that she was like 26, 27 in this. She looks so young. She's like wearing almost no makeup, it seems like. Yeah, that's a good makeup artist. Yes. And her hair always. It's also standard deaf, you know. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> her hair always has this like natural texture, like she just came out from like the rain, kind of. Totally. Very PC bangs. Not many people can pull off PC bangs. Right. She's adorable. Adorable. Yeah. And she's always wearing her dad's big coats. Yes. And they're in Chicago, so she's always wearing, like, oversized jeans, oversized sweaters. Yes. Very it, 90s. Yes. Oh, this movie is very, very 90s, but kind of in, like, a really sweet way. I think that's why I'm so attracted to Bill Pullman in this movie. He reminds me of my dad in the 90s. Yeah, he's a hot dad in this movie, for sure, even though he doesn't have kids. Yeah, but he's got the dad jeans, got, like, the Carhartt jacket, drives a truck, builds stuff with his hands. Yes, and they're chemistry is so believable yes it's instant i mean i don't know i'm trying i imagine the casting they're like well we got peter gallagher and we got (laughs) bill pullman let's see how she does with both i'm like well again i just imagine them being like oh i think peter you should be the one sleeping in this one (laughs) you should be the one that uh, is just there to be pretty is it weird that like this is his best acting peter gallagher i'm like wow you've never been better he's you were asleep the whole film (laughs) it's funny but then when he wakes up and he acts all confused he Pulls it all off. Oh, it's very—it's a very I love Lucy moment. Like, he's yeah. very funny. It's very campy. I love it. And he's great in all the pictures of himself. Oh, yes. What like, a, <laughs> his he's got such a great photos. look. He looks like the rich guy that you hate. Yes. He, he I mean, it's his eyebrows, I think. I think that's got to be it. They're, like, yeah. cartoonly, cartoonishly expressive. And they don't really look like brothers. No. I mean... At all. But whatever. Like, you buy it in the way that, like, oh, they're both good-looking Hollywood right. actors. Because I would say that, like, Bill Pullman and Monica Keene and the sister, they look like they could be brother and totally. sister. But Peter Gallagher doesn't really look like either of them. He's a baby swap. That's why it's <laughs> <Italian> and son. <laughs> she falls in love with him before she's spoken to him. She says this so many times throughout the movie. Yeah, I mean, so the premise of the film is that she is a toll booth worker and she falls in love with this guy who comes to her toll booth every day. And I think that every day since September. It's like December 25th. Yeah. And, and she's been in love with him every day since September 25th. So it's like pretty new, but also it kind of reminds me, I think maybe the reason this is relatable to me as a younger person is like this is how crushes were. You didn't have to know oh, anything yeah. about them. I had a pretty vivid imagination as a kid. I'm like, oh, yeah, you see someone, you imagine them, and you're in love with them. 100%. I've had, especially, like, when I was in high school and middle school, I was, I used to call myself a crush slut because I was <laughs> like, oh, I've had crushes on everybody. Like, I've gotten around my crushes. Uh, and I would imagine kind of like she does where it's like you just have this fantasy life, she says, like, where they would dump the perfect person they were with because they just had to be with you. Totally. I had that fantasy a million times. Never happened. Yeah. So, I mean, the idea of the movie, I kind of feel like has been done many times. Mm -hmm. The whole, like, I mean, it's kind of like, 
is it Overboard? Is that the name of that movie? Right. Similar, right? Except that one is like more mean-spirited. That is nice. Because he's like, they don't like each other. They do speak and they don't like each other. And then he's like, I'm going to trick you and make you my slave. Right. Yeah, that's not great. No. In this one, she's she's very sweet. Well, okay. So she's a toll booth worker and, or a train booth worker. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I've never I guess she does. Somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. What, what is it? The, she works for the CTA. She works for the yes. Chicago train. She takes tokens at the train station. She takes station. tokens. <laughs> she's a token girl. You know, she's one of those <laughs> token girls. Well, it does seem like that's her only job. It's yeah. just to take tokens. It's very sad. Um, and it's Christmas, and she has to work Christmas. And as her boss says, um, we need you to work Christmas because you're the only one that doesn't have family. Yeah, I think this is a, for in terms of rom-com movies, this is more of a rom-com between Sandra Bullock and this the Callahan family. Oh, 100%. Because they basically set it up. You're a hot orphan. <laughs> and you're in the Midwest with a bunch of friendly families. Which one will love you? And they fall in love right away. Oh, right But away. so, um, uh... So it's Christmas Day. He gives her the token. He says Merry Christmas. It's the first time that they're about to speak and she doesn't say anything. And then he uh, walks over to the train where he gets mugged. Falls into the tracks. She runs after him and dives onto the tracks to save him. So heroic for someone you don't know. Seriously. I mean, that that's a very, uh, I love you from afar and I'll do anything for you. But my favorite thing she does when she, has, she gets onto the tracks is he's definitely bleeding out of his head. He's got a head. Oh, yeah. He is a train unconscious. train is coming. And she is waving her hand in his face <laughs> as if, like, the wind from her hand will awaken this man with a serious head injury. Well, she's, she's like, trying to describe the train where she's, like, uh, she describes what kind of train it is. And she's, like, it's fast and it's coming. It's an coming. express train. It's coming. But my favorite thing is, like, oh, the wind, the velocity of the night, it's not going to wake him up. And I love when she's doing that. She She's, like, on top of it. She goes, like, God, you smell good. Yeah. I mean, she's so charming. She's so charming, and she's helplessly in love with this stranger. And uh, the train is coming, and it comes really, really close to hitting them, and she rolls him over, like, under the track, under the platform. Yeah, under the platform. They have kind of insane sexual chemistry in that moment, which is amazing because he is unconscious. Yeah, but But she's able to lift him. Yeah, she, you know, that's (laughs) the power of Sandra Bullock. You don't even need to be awake, and you're like, wow, I buy that chemistry. (laughs) And it's heroic. She saves his life. And then when she gets to the hospital, uh, they won't let her in because she doesn't know his name. Because she's not family and it has to be family. Um, And then she says to herself, well, I was going to marry him. And then that poor, stupid nurse. Here's this. Makes an assumption, which makes an ass out of you and Sandra Bullock. (laughs) And then gets her in there and tells everyone that she's his fiance. And then one thing leads to another. And it's definitely a who's on first situation. Oh, yes. Where everyone in the family's like, who are you? Oh, the fiancé? Oh, she's fiancé. And suddenly she's like, well, I can't get out of this lie anymore, so. Yeah, and there's so many moments where she's about to get caught and the movie does a really good job of fate intervening. It's like a mixture of fate and Sandra Bullock being clever. Totally. (laughs) Because when Jack, the brother, comes and he thinks that maybe she's not really the fiancé, he quizzes her. And some of his quizzing is like, Ridiculous! Like, who's his favorite stooge? Yeah, three who, stooges. Yeah, or and like, what's his favorite sports team? It's like, uh, they're it's pretty easy. They're in Chicago. She can name one of the four, you know. <laughs> but it's also like the these are the questions that would define a relationship. But then some of the other things the movie has like laid the groundwork for, which is where it's like, um, what's his favorite ice cream? And when she opened his fridge, it 
He had a whole bunch of Baskin Robbins. Also, what bothered me about that question, as an ice cream lover, like, I don't say the brand of ice cream. I know. I don't go so weird. thrifties. Like, you would know that it's chocolate Bluebell. chip cookie dough. Like, you wouldn't be like, right. she loves Cold Stone. You'd be like, what specifically? No, that's the ice cream she likes. It's anything from Cold Stone. Yeah, it's That's her favorite. Psychotic. It's a weird thing, but also, they must have gotten money from Baskin Robbins, right? Because I, I think that's we that. see Baskin Robbins containers... At least three times That's throughout what the you movie. Call integration, right? <laughs> That's integration in the early nineties. It's all over this movie. I think Baskin Robbins, act, Mr. Robbins himself, wrote the script. Is that true? Did I make that up? Well, if he did, he did a good job because I love this movie. This is, I mean, this is my favorite Sandra Bullock movie. I watch it every Christmas time. It's, it's great. There. It's very romantic. I, in terms of rom com, I think it's an equal 50 50 of oh, rom com. Oh yeah, I agree. I think. Um, okay, so so we have seen, you weren't here for this, but we have seen so far, we started with Two Weeks Notice with, Hugh, with Hugh Grant, and then we just did the proposal with Ryan Reynolds, and it is bizarre how similar the proposal is to this. Yes, because very similar, with the same, the wise grandma. Falling in, she's an orphan, falling in love with somebody's family that she's pretending to be engaged yes. to, and then in Two Weeks Notice, her name is Lucy. Yeah. So it's like... I felt like this movie was her big thing, and then they just kept pulling from it into her other movies. Like, let's just keep doing that. That one made money. It right? works. Let's do it. And I truly think she looks like a Lucy. A Lucy? Yeah, yeah. more than any other part. She's Annie in Speed. I don't remember. Oh, in um, The Proposal, she's Margaret. Yeah, she doesn't seem like a Margaret to me. But she always, and maybe it's because I have seen this movie so many times, I think but so I'm too. like, she's a Lucy. I'm biased because I think I've seen it a lot. Yeah. I, what I think is so interesting about this movie is, like, it is, for me, equal parts rom-com, like, equal parts comedy and equal parts romantic, mm-hmm. but, like, knowing that the director also did the National Treasure series. Did he really? Yeah. I just, like, it totally adds up. I love Because there's movies. a lot of, like, campiness in this yes. movie. Which oh, I, yeah. Which I think is also in those movies, which is, mm-hmm. it's done super well. Like, one of my favorite moments in this movie is when Peter Gallagher's character wakes up. Mm-hmm. He does this moment where you see him panning between each family member, and oh, he yeah. gets to Lucy, and then he gets his guy, and he goes, and then they do like a double take with the camera of like, wait, who is this woman? And it's done. It's so campy and such yes. an interesting choice for a director, but it really works. And each family member is like awkwardly smiling in their close-up. I mean, it works because of the acting, and I think because of how just like how the pacing of the movie is done with all the mm-hmm. other big family scenes. They're all just, like, super goofy and, like, really playing into their archetypes that I loved it. Yeah, the family has really good chemistry with each other. It's, like, it's the parents, which um, the dad is Peter Boyle. Who I love. Um, the mom I've seen her in other stuff. She's fantastic in this because she's always, like, on the verge of crying, which I yeah, love so much. Yeah, she's in a heightened state of emotion constantly. All the time. Um, and then it's her mother... And then um, the dad uh, ox his best friend, Sal, who is the godfather of the kids. Slash their neighbor. Something like that. Yeah. It's so strange. But he's great. Um, and then Monica Keenan is the younger sister. Yes. And then you have Bill Pullman and uh, Peter, who is – we just said a Peter. What's his name? Peter Gallagher. Peter Gallagher, also Peter like, Callahan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, you don't need to have a different name. You're you asleep. look like a Peter. You're asleep most of the film. <laughs> Um, and their chemistry together is really good. Yes, I think what they lots did, of misunderstandings. That's what it is. I think they would each in each scene they do the same bit 
over and yes. over again. So every scene, if you like put all the family scenes and you strung them just together, you would see that each scene, they're doing the exact same sketch or same bit. They're just changing the subject matter. But it's the same yeah. joke over and over it's again. It's always that Ox and Sal are having a conversation. And then the mom is having her own conversation. And then her mother is having her own conversation. And she always ends up getting confused Misinterpreting by... Misinterpreting Sal's conversation. Yeah, when she's like, Cesar Romero was, wasn't Spanish. I never said Cesar Romero was Spanish. I said, I said he was, was tall. tall. Well, well, what does every, that have to do with it? Everyone knows he's tall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's why I said it. It's great, yeah. And I think because they are so consistent with that bit that every time it happens, the audience is, like, expecting it and we're rewarded with, like, oh, this is great. This is We fall in love with that family because right away we know what to expect from them. And they keep showing us these scenes of... Sandra Bullock being in the midst of the family and she is like laughing and she's so into their banter but she's kind of like by herself watching this and then when we get Jack the brother later on they're all at dinner together and he is like looking at her and they're kind of like they're both now watching and enjoying this and it's like she's not alone yeah I think Jack also kind of feels like the outsider with his secret furniture building job that no one knows about and I love that idea too that it's like okay so they run an estate furniture business right so they wait for people to die they buy their furniture and then they sell it for a profit which they explain really quickly in this movie yeah they're too. like quickly like in case anyone doesn't know what estate furniture sales are <laughs> here's a quick bite of um, and they were called Callahan and Sons and then Peter left to go to law school and they became Callahan and Son but Jack wants to start his own furniture business where he makes the furniture. Which makes sense because the one piece they show that they've bought and they're trying to sell is this hideous green floral couch. The love seat. Which they call love seat, but I mean, as someone who just bought a love seat, this is clearly a sofa. I could lay down and sleep on it. Yes. Like, they're bad at their business. There's a reason that Jack wants to start building furniture because the furniture they're buying is grotesque. But he's like, I can't do that. It would just be Callahan. Which, later on, when he finally tells his dad, it is, like, the dad is so nonchalant and, it's like... It's kind of a letdown, honestly. It really is, because it kind of makes uh, Jack look bad. It makes Jack be like, why weren't you just following your dream the whole time? Yeah, and why did you think your dad was going to be so mad at you? All, and I think, I understand, like, why they kind of... Uh, I think, I understand why they built that storyline so we could also see Jack as an outsider with Lucy. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, they didn't want his dad to overreact because we've already fallen in love with his dad, so we right. don't want a reason to not like him. But in a way, it's like, well, you just kind of, that whole storyline went nowhere. Yeah. It was not a big deal at all. It was not. So going back to the beginning a little bit. Uh, yes. So this is all about how her dad, she, her mom died when she was little, and then her dad raised her, and her dad was like a hopeless romantic. Yes. Who never remarried. Never remarried, apparently. I, this to me feels like very much like a live action Disney movie before they were really doing yes. that. Like there's yes. Like there's a mom we never meet. There's a dad we also never meet, but we all we just sort of hear about and she romanticizes. It feels like very Cinderella or something Yeah, to me. or a little bit Beauty and the Beast. Because she's a brunette? <laughs> well, because she's like close to her dad and I feel yes. like she'd probably like to read. <laughs> yeah. She looks like a reader. But it's like... Um, there's this thing that they say throughout, or in the beginning, it's like, I asked I asked my dad, like, when did he know he loved my mother? And he said, when she gave me the world. And But it was really a globe with a light in it. But to my dad, it could have been the world. There's this real, like, it has to be that whimsical and romantic in the beginning <laughs> feeling that as somebody who 
is married, I'm like, it's not that. That's not really what we should be selling. <laughs> Our children. This is false. <laughs> yeah, it's more like, uh, you know, you should marry someone that's nice and you feel good around, not I mean, like give you the world. <laughs> I agree. I think I think I love this movie. I love the middle of this movie is what I'll say. Yes. I would say the beginning and the end feel a little too Disney for me. And, I, and this is from coming from someone that loves Disney, but the beginning feels a little too whimsical and romantic in a way that doesn't feel earned and then the very end of the film Mm -hmm. when she ends up with the right brother and he proposes they've never kissed they've never told each other they they like each other well they had a mistletoe kiss they had like a half (laughs) kiss but they've never like really had any romantic moments and I felt like it like it was like, oh, we ran out of time, so we're just going to force this in. And it's been like two weeks. Yeah, we're going to force this in now. We're, but I feel like the best part of this movie is the build-up, right? Is them getting to know each other and like realizing that they yes. can't have each other. I think them getting to know each other in this movie is one of my all-time favorite people getting to know each other in a movie ever. I think their chemistry is so realistic and easy. And they do this great thing where like he is always making jokes. And she's always laughing at them, but kind of in a smug way, a little bit. Like they have, they I mean, have great she banter. Said in the very beginning, she, all she wanted was someone to make her laugh. And then she finds. Somebody. And she finds it. It's cute. At certain points, like she's laughing so hard that it's that laughing where like nothing comes out. Yes. And I just feel like you don't see that in movies very much. That like realistic. She's a good fake laugher. Not many people can do that. No, she. Well, she, why she gets a month. Sandra Bullock's over. She's fantastic. And, like, I also think that their banter in this is funny. Yes. Whereas, like, in, in a lot of rom-coms, you're like, mm, okay, I get that, that you're falling in love. That joke wasn't earned. Yeah. yeah I, well, I get what's happening here, but oh, it's kind of awkward. I think everything that he says, like, joke-wise, lands to me. Yes. I mean, I don't know if that's just because Bill Pullman himself is so charming. He's so great in this. He was 42. Okay, I feel like that makes sense to me. Like, he definitely mm-hmm. looked like a dad already, and so yes. to hear that he's 42. But he was 42, she's 31, and um, Peter in real life is 40. Got it. It's when they all filmed this. That's how old they were. Mm-hmm. I see that. They're also good looking, though. They all have that, like, Hollywood skin, so they're ageless. They could be 20 oh, yeah. or 60. Who knows? They could all be the same age, and I would have believed it. Oh, totally. And that's, like, not an insult to Sandra Bullock at 31. My, uh, I, yeah, it's, she just looks, she's, to me, looks ageless. To me, she, the way she looks in this movie is the way she looks now. Like. Yes. She just has that face. Yeah. She's still got, like, some of her, like, baby fat cheeks. Yeah. She's so cute in this. I love her. I, I, I just think her, I think, I think it's because they didn't try to make her overly cute. Maybe she is just not cute. I don't know. But I feel like the hair and makeup team were like, ah, we don't need to do anything. Yeah. That's how it felt to me watching her. She felt that natural. Yes. And her physical comedy is, like, not over the top. It's a lot of just more, like, stammering and things. But speaking of physical comedy, the one of the hottest <laughs> scenes in this movie is when they're walk. He's Jack's walking Lucy back to her apartment. And oh, it's my favorite. And they're slipping on the ice, and they're falling all over each other. And they both slip on the ice, and he rips his pants. And they get back up and almost kiss. And it's <sighs> just, I actually want, from a producer, like, I want to know how they did that scene like it's so good what what were they sliding on were they just that good of actors that they could fake sliding or were they on something actually slippery i feel like they have to be on something slippery but then i don't know about like liability liability you want to protect your stars however i wonder if it's like they were fake sliding around that well like maybe they were in socks on something soft (laughs) i don't know but i love my favorite line i think in the movie and maybe this isn't a great line 
nowadays, but it's when he's like, uh, he splits his pants and he's like, do you have an extra pair of pants? And she says, if you fit into my pants, I will kill myself. And that is every woman still fits that way. I used to have 100%. A, I had a boyfriend that could fit in my pants and I remember he accidentally did it one day and I was like, well, <laughs> something's wrong. Either I need to lose weight or you need to work out. Oh my God. More. My biggest fear would be like that, <laughs> that I can't fit in my boyfriend's pants. <laughs> Oh, God, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, here, here, just throw on these sweatpants. I don't, you know, like, just put those on. And it's like, they're too small. That's so funny. The guy that I'm dating now <laughs> recently asked for a shirt to sleep in. And he handed me a shirt. And I want, I thought, like, oh, I'm look so cute. I'm going to be so little on this shirt. <laughs> and he handed me, like, his smallest shirt. Oh, and son I was like, of a bitch. And I'm, I'm walking around in my underwear. I'm like, I need it to go past my butt. Or, like, yeah. just butt cheek <laughs> adjacent, you know? Yeah. Don't give me your tiny shirt. Give me your big shirt so I do the cute girl thing. Yeah, you want like the football jersey like, shirt. Oh, look, I'm so small. What happened? Don't give me your shirt that shrunk in the wash <laughs> from H&M. Come on. Get it together, guys. Get it together. Well, this movie was a huge hit. It cost $17 million, and then worldwide it grossed $182 million. Wait, it cost $17 million to make? Yes. No way. In 95? Yes. Mm-hmm. $1.7. $1.7. Wow surprising i feel like i don't know where they spent that money well i feel like she must have gotten paid somewhat well because she just come off speed i mean i hear that but 95 and so they were probably it came out in april 95 which means they shot it in 94 was it expensive to shoot in chicago i feel like no i shoot in <laughs> chicago constantly <laughs> where did this money go this is why this guy made National Treasure. He also just recently made that movie, The Meg. <laughs> Maybe it went to him. Oh, he made The Meg? Yeah. How The guy who made While You Were Sleeping also made The Meg. <laughs> Where did is... you come up with the idea for The Meg? Oh, While You Were Sleeping. It was a dream. While I was sleeping. <laughs> while you... I wrote it while you were sleeping. sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> but so, okay. So here's kind of what I learned on IMDb, which is where I get all my research. Oh, I love IMDb facts page. And this part of this I'd heard. I'd heard that it was originally written for Demi Moore. Oh, interesting. And uh, But IMDb told me that when it was written for Demi Moore, they were trying to get Patrick Swayze to co-star because they were going to do another, like, ghost. Oof, that wouldn't. Honestly, I'm glad that didn't happen. I can't picture Demi Moore in this. I I can't picture Patrick Swayze in this. I feel like maybe because <laughs> I see them as such, like, more dramatic people. And yeah. I feel like Bill Pullman pulls off the I'm a hot you know, goofy dad thing so well. Mm-hmm. Mostly because Casper came out around the same time as this. Yeah, and then Independence Day. Right, like... Uh, oh, yeah, Casper, where he's also... Well, not also, because he's not in this, but the same idea of, like, he's a dad and the mother's dead and he's raising a daughter. Yeah. Just like Sandra Bullock's dad. Oh, my God. Maybe he is. <laughs> Maybe the Casper She's daughter cat. grows up to be. <laughs> well, she says during that, where they're walking in the at night, she says... You almost kind of like, there's something about you that kind of reminds me of my dad. Yeah, when she said that, I was like, ooh, this is some Freudian shit. That is so relatable. Every yeah. girl out there wants to marry their dad. Why? Not me. I did. I I married somebody who was the exact opposite of my dad. And do you feel good about it? I do. Okay, my good. Weirdly, <laughs> my dad divorced my mom and like married somebody else and like went off and started a new family. Mm, and classic. Yes. And my sister and I weirdly both married men that are like completely opposite of my dad. Like we married these like dorky, nice, um, really nerdy guys 
that are just like, it was so funny to me that I'm like, we didn't take any of those issues with us into marriage. That's great. Because <laughs> we both like, we married the guys that do the dad jokes. I love it. So instead of having daddy issues, you just have dad jokes. <laughs> That's great. You can see me at Flappers doing my dad jokes. Hey, sling, <laughs> slinging dad jokes. <laughs> Bill Pullman really reminds me of my dad in this movie. My dad, Really? Yeah, my dad totally, you know, drove a truck like that. He built things. He was always building me furniture Aww. and stuff. And so to watch this, I was like, oh, dad. <laughs> father you're having the Sandra Bullock thing of like yeah. oh I'm attracted to you kind of remind me of my dad you kind of remind my dad is that weird <laughs> not if you had a good dad I think that's good mm, you know debatable that uh, selective memories I think there's something I think for her when she's like you there's something about that reminds me of my dad I think it's like a comforting thing totally of like my dad was a really great guy and you're a really great guy yeah he's a he's a hottie in this movie Bill Pullman Oh, my God. Hottie. I don't like him in Independence Day. And that's only a year later. Isn't that crazy? I think what it is is I don't like him in a suit. I think he looks better disheveled. I would agree. And I like his hair in this. Yeah. It's got really great volume. I don't know what oh, kind of yeah. they were using in 95, but oh, my God. It's great. And he plays the, like, likable outcast where it's like, he says, like, later to his comatose brother, that at school they were like, why can't you be more like your brother? And that he was never upset about that because he was proud of his brother. Yeah. And he, it's just like, you're so sweet. It's you're so like, likable. Yeah, he doesn't have any of that like, I mean, I would imagine if I grew up where everyone was like, why can't you be like your brother? He's perfect. And he's like, you know, Peter Gallagher's really good looking and he's rich and he's a lawyer and stuff that you might have like resentment. And he's like, I was always proud of you. Yeah, he's just like a good guy. Speaking of comatose, <laughs> I think, I don't know if this was a device they did on purpose or just a way to get these actors to sign on, but fantastic monologues in this film. Oh, yeah. I mean, that is, put someone in a coma and then give the stars a monologue because it's great. Yeah, Sandra Bullock, she has a couple and then uh, Bill Pullman has them and... Sandra Bullock has a lot of talking to herself in this a movie. A lot of talking to herself, which is great that they give her the device of talking to a comatose person. She seems totally yes. insane. Well, because earlier she, when she says, I was going to marry him, and the nurse is like, I heard you say that. And she's like, I was talking to myself. You're like, oh, don't say that too loudly in the hospital. <laughs> we'll take you to a different floor. <laughs> One of my favorite ways that Sandra Bullock has to prove that she's his fiance mm-hmm. is when she reveals that he recently <laughs> lost a testicle. My favorite thing about this scene is two things. Okay. One, his family doesn't know about the testicle, right? So, like, if yes. you were going to prove to someone's family that you were actually dating them, wouldn't you pick a fact that they already knew about? <laughs> Second, that means then his mother had to then touch his testicles. To, to verify. Feel, to verify that there was mm-hmm. only one. Yes. And then when Peter wakes up, he ends up being kind of a douchebag. And I don't know if this is true, but now I have this weird bias that all uniballers are bad people. Because <laughs> like Lance Armstrong <laughs> left Cheryl Crow when she had cancer, even uh, though she stood by him while he had cancer. I'm just Poor saying. Cheryl Crow. Um, yes. Okay, so I have questions about that scene. Okay, so basically Jack comes into the picture. That's the brother. And he goes to meet Lucy, but instead meets her tenant. No, her landlord's. She's the tenant. Her yeah, landlord's she, son, son, Joe Jr., who is 
Uh, quite the character. Lovely character. I know he starts out the first scene when you see him, you think he's so gross, and then he his becomes pants so are undone. He's yeah, like rubbing his belly. Well, and and the dad's like, you know, Joe Junior's on parole. <laughs> You're like, ugh. And it's so gross. And then like as the movie goes on, he becomes so like nice and likable. He weirdly becomes like kind of like a trans icon <laughs> in the film. Like slowly, like he literally is. In a closet in the film. He trying, does come out of a closet. Trying on her shoes. <laughs> and like, Joe Jr., who starts off like this, you know, pig, pig yeah. becomes like, kind of like a, a hero for the LGBT community by the end of the film. We don't know where it comes from. It's so strange. There is, and maybe it's like you said, Disney. There's like an element of this film where everyone seems really safe. Yes. I never feel like she's about to get mugged or something, or raped, or... Even though there is a mugging in this <laughs> film. Yes, Peter does get mugged. <laughs> yeah, the only person who gets mugged is the tall, dark, and handsome white man. As, as you know, karma would have it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just happened. Finally. Yeah. 24 years in the past. <laughs> um, okay. But so, uh, so Jack comes into the picture. He meets Joe Jr., who, when he's like, do you know this woman, Joe Jr., who spins a lot of tales, says, no, her, I'm dating her. And then he does a hand motion to imply that he's fucking her. Yeah. So then, okay, this is always a problem with the movie for me, and it's just I don't understand it, which is that, okay, so he's met uh, Joe Jr., and Joe Jr. says, I'm dating her. And she says she's engaged to Peter. But then when he goes and he's, like, trying to prove that she's not engaged to Peter, is he trying to prove that she is has never met Peter? Because that's what it feels like. Because he's trying to be like, well, how well do you know Peter? But then his real argument is that she's dating somebody else. Yeah, because couldn't the argument just be she's cheating on Peter? Yeah. Why I- does it have to be, like... Obviously, if she's dating Joe Jr., she's never met Peter. I think, yeah, I think Jack's confused, right? He's never heard about her, which is probably his first red flag. And second Mm -hmm. red flag is like, who the fuck is this Joe Jr. guy? Right. And then that scene where they're in his apartment and she's looking for a cat and he knows his brother doesn't have a cat. Yeah, there's a weird assumption of, like, she must be an interloper like she actually is. Also, no one asked to see an engagement ring. Yeah, I is, yes, he's such, like, an asshole that he wouldn't get a ring. He's so rich. He would just have a ring on hand. You feel like he's just kind of a guy that just has diamonds. Right. I think how you know this movie is going to be a good rom-com is because it has Natalie Cole's song, This Will Be. Oh, it's the beginning. That's the first song you hear in the movie. And I feel like that's just kind of a sure fire sign to know that any rom-com will be good. Because as we know, that song also ends the parent trap. (laughs) So it's also a great rom-com. Your dog is licking my ankle in a way that is sort of sexual. (laughs) Desi slept through the movie and now she's up. And she is looking for trouble. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's how, like, you know a rom-com is going to start well when it has just, like, a classic rom-com song like that Yeah, all the music in this is really good, too. It just makes me... Like, I know that it's used to manipulate your feelings, but it works every time I see this. It works. I was listening to the score on my way over here... And it really works, especially in the scene when she's supposed to be marrying Peter and then she oh, confesses yeah. her love to Jack. The music in that scene is fantastic because, again, it is another wonderfully delivered acted monologue by Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. But what makes it charming and funny is the, the music. music. Yeah. Yeah. The music is like it's like uh, the fifth lady on Sex and the City or something. It's totally. like its own character in this movie. Yes. 
Very much so. And every character kind of has their own theme. It's great. And I God, I really just love their chemistry so much. When, when he comes and he's like, I have a present for you guys. And she's like, let's just take it to Peter's apartment. Because everything looks better in Peter's apartment. And then that whole thing where um, they're trying to get the couch in. And then they break the door and she knocks over the vase. And like this blue liquid spills all over the floor. And yes. he's like, I think, the, I think the couch should go, go right, right there. I mean, everything is so perfect, Mm -hmm. but in a way that doesn't bother me. You know, like, the way they fall in love is, like, very formulaic. Like, if you're looking at the script from, like, Mm -hmm. you know, taking a step back. But they do it in a way that doesn't bother me at all. It just feels so natural. Mm -hmm. Like, even that scene of them walking home together, or he's walking her home, I feel like that's a scene you see in almost every romantic comedy. For some reason, they have to be walking and yeah. talking for a long period of time. I love it. I remember when I started dating my husband, um, we would walk to, there's like a pizza place a few blocks from his apartment, and we would walk there and get pizza and then walk back. And it's like some of my fondest memories of us like falling in love was like the talks we'd have on those walks. Yeah, I think that's why it's something we see in almost every romantic comedy. I bet mm-hmm. you could make a list of how, of how many movies that type of scene is in. And it probably would be, and I would guess, like 85% of them. That is true. I'm trying to think if they were in the other ones. There's a little bit of it in two weeks' notice, but not really in the proposal. Yeah, they have, yeah, do they have a walking scene? They walk through town at one point. But it's not a lot. In in two weeks' notice, they end up on the roof where right. they're talking. That's their outdoor talking scene. Outdoor talking scene is where when you'll fall in love. Yeah, in the proposal, they have the outdoor scene of she falls into the water, and it's so cold, and he warms her up, and she's right. not a swim. And that's a very, like, uh, you know, she hasn't been touched by anybody, and he's, like, rubbing her shoulders to warm her up. And that's – maybe there's something about being outside, too. Yeah. Outside. Falling in love outside. Falling in love outside. <laughs> Freezing your skin but warming your heart. Aww. And in this one where it has like snow, it starts off with her um, decorating her Christmas tree. I love that she is pulling the tree up. Through the window? Oh, yeah. That's how they do it in Holland. Like, really? Because the canal houses, the stairwells are literally like mm-hmm. ladders. They're so narrow that people have these huge windows and so they open them up, and anytime you have, like, furniture or something delivered, they have, like, these giant hooks on the outside, and people have to take ropes and pulleys and literally deliver things through windows. Do they? Do, I wonder if they do it in New York City, too. I mean, I feel like you must. In some of these buildings, the hallways yeah. would be too small to make furniture make those turns. That's I've only lived in Texas and California. And where we have these are wide not halls. Yeah. yeah, we have wide hallways. <laughs> yeah, where I'm, like, on the first floor all the time, too. So it's yeah, like... Yeah, so you have no problem. I can't imagine this. And I watching this movie year after year in that scene where she's, like, trying to lug up the Christmas tree, it's always so charming. There's, like, this great thing about how she's going to be spending Christmas alone and even she's going to be working. Yeah. And she still wants, like, the full-size tree. Oh, she's still having, decorating it. She's going all out. Yeah, that she's going to decorate just for her and her cat. Also, cat, real great, you know, secondary character in this film. I love when she um, she's sitting down to have dinner. The, the Callahans have invited her to their, like, belated Christmas, and she's like, no, 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 and so she's going to have dinner by herself and her cat. And she puts the cat's, um, bowl at the table next to her t- next to her plate 
I'm not gonna lie, I've done that. <laughs> I love. I have dogs. I can't do that. They would eat all my food. Right. But it's so sweet. I will say my only problem with that scene is she does pour the cat milk, and as a cat lady, I will tell you, cats are lactose intolerant. PSA: Don't give your feline friends milk. Yeah, I didn't know that. I've never had a cat. Yeah, they cannot process it. Similar to humans, it's not really great for us. But try to right. keep me from my cheese. You can't. Oh no, I love string cheese. I eat it every day. <laughs> Every day? Yeah, I have a string cheese every day. Wow. What time of day? Usually it's around lunch, but sometimes I'll do it for snacks later in the day, too. It is my favorite. Do you take it, do you have it the, the way it's meant to be had? I string it, yeah. You string it. Because you're oh not my. like one of those monsters that just bites down it. When I see Absolutely people, not. When I see people do that, I think, are you a serial killer? That's my well, first thought. There is a weird thing where, so I eat a string cheese at my job every day. <laughs> and I've, d- I've done it every day for like the five years I've worked there. And throughout that time, tens of people have commented on that I actually string my cheese, and they think that's adorable because nobody does that. And they say it in a way that's very condescending. Oh, that's adorable. Look how you're eating that cheese. Oh, it's adorable that I'm doing something the way it should be done? Yes. Who are you monsters who live in a world of chaos and don't follow the rules of string cheese? That's I had a guy at work be like, oh, that's why they call it string cheese, huh? Yeah. This is, guys, this is the world where Donald Trump is president. Makes sense to me. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Um, so a big part of her character we find out is that she wants to go to Florence. She does talk about it constantly. That that is like her measure of, of success. So she keeps her passport on her at all times, ready to go to Florence. Even though she's never had a stamp in it. I like she's like in a, in a moment's notice. I also love that she works for the CTA. Like so... And you never see her riding a train. You always see her walking. It's like that is true. What did what are they trying to say about? She's afraid to travel. <laughs> she gets as close as she can get and then backs away. Um, and later, when Jack is like saying goodbye to her, he brings her a snow globe of Florence. So cute. Which, when I went to Florence after seeing this movie, I bought the exact same snow globe. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. Of course, I did. I didn't even know what the Duomo was. Until I saw this movie. And then when we went to Florence, I was like, it's like while you were sleeping. <laughs> this is, I, I also had public education in Texas. So, so movies educated me on things. I mean, as they do with the rest of America. Right. It's not just Texas. There are a lot of red flags in this movie. Peter's got a lot of red flags. Um, Let's I, talk about the wallet for yeah. one thing. So his wallet is full of photos of himself. Mm-hmm. And they're not just normal <laughs> photos. They're like, oh, no. They're like Sears, I went to pose photos. Yeah, this is, I remember watching this as a kid and this didn't mean anything to me because I just thought that that's normal, that you would have pictures of you holding a tennis racket. You'd have portraits of yourself <laughs> in your own wallet. Yeah, of course. Pictures of you with skis next to you and goggles on your head. Again, <laughs> very strange. <laughs> he's in love with himself. And then he's got framed pictures of himself in his apartment. I mean... I'm not going to lie, he's a good-looking man, mm-hmm. but it does seem a little over the top. Well, he's definitely, like, putting a lot on his looks. Yes. I wonder how good of a lawyer he is. Probably not. Because we don't really hear about, like, that he's a shark or anything. He's just super good-looking. And obviously he's not good at basketball because he loses a testicle playing basketball. <laughs> well, I do like they're, when they're asking her, like, how did you fall in love with him or what was the first thing about him? And she says, his smile. And the dad says, they're cap teeth. Yes, $600 of tooth. And I love it. It's like really establishing that he's a fake. Yes. Right away, he's a false person. 
Yeah, and which that, almost justifies her lie, right? The guy, a little bit. Yeah, he's faking everything. Yeah, especially later when we find out that he had proposed to his girlfriend, who's married. Yeah, he's not a great dude. Also, like his one heroic moment, we have a moment where we find out <laughs> as a kid he saved these three squirrels, but then later he reveals that he shot them out of a tree with a rock, and it's like, oh, so and then he saved them. So you're not really saving them. Yeah, he also says that he once ch- chased a purse snatcher. And Cinderella's like, well, that's heroic. And he's like, I pretended to pull a hamstring. Right. So he's like, doing everything is for looks. Yeah. He, I love the reveals of him not being a great guy. Because he says also later, like, that, you know, he's got courtside basketball seats. And he's got an apartment in France and all these things. But he's like, but I don't have anyone I can trust. And then he says this line, which I had never noticed until this viewing, where he says, and I, I've never met someone to, to give me a son. <laughs> Yeah, which was like, what is this? Like, it the sixteen hundreds. Yeah, it's very strange. And also, like, how do you know that she will bear you a son? You know, who are you, Henry the Eighth? Like, I don't understand. No, it's very disturbing that it was not like to raise a family with. No, he wants a son. He wants to pass on those eyebrows, as he should. They are very full. So she says when she's introducing herself, and he's in a coma. She says um, that she's got a cat, an apartment. And sole possession of the remote control, which is very important, which I included in my vows to my husband. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. It's one of those things that I put in my vow because I wrote, I wrote my whole ceremony when I got married, and then I also wrote the vows. Um, not his; he wrote his own, but I wrote everything else. And part of what I wrote, and it's one of those lines that I knew was from something, but I couldn't remember what. And then when I heard it in this, I was like, "Oh yeah, it's from this." Which I said as part of the things that I loved about Brad was, like, he always lets me have the aisle seat on planes. And, like, I kind of named all these, like, things that make Brad sound like a saint. And I was like, Annie lets me have sole possession of the remote control, which is very important. <laughs> I mean, what more could you want? That's, that's a romantic that's a romantic thing to say, I think. Thank you. And it's romantic that he does that. I think so, too. I think it's, like, it's small gestures that mean a lot. Yeah, and I grew up the baby of the family and was never allowed to have possession of the remote control so and even now like if I go home and my brother and sister are there I never get to pick what's on they always pick it doesn't matter how old you get you're always the same role as you were when you were a kid 100% I'm I am 33 and I'm still the baby like if my mom's sister and I were driving somewhere mm-hmm. I would still sit in the front seat while my mom drove my sister would sit in the back really no we're all adults and she technically could sit in the front That's naturally funny. she would probably we would probably both go to where we would sit well, we always fought over who was sitting in the front because we all get car sick. Oh, so did me. We all have really small inner ear canals in my family. Really? Yeah, we have to get our ears flushed multiple times a year. It's very annoying. Oh my god, do you ever get car sick driving? I I get car sick. I get car sick standing. It's just hard to explain because I know I'm not in a car. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But I will get sick standing, and I swear I feel like I can feel the earth move sometimes, which I know sounds insane. No, I'm glad we're talking about this because <laughs> I maybe I have a small inner ear too. I've yeah. never heard of that, but yeah. I feel the same way. I get car sick driving all the time, and people will say that's not a thing. No, it is a thing. Yes. Yeah. That's I also think favorite. I'm always feeling earthquakes, and maybe I'm... I feel like I always feel earthquakes, too, and then nothing has happened. Yeah. I feel like maybe we feel something <laughs> other people aren't feeling. We're just living on a fault On line. Earth. <laughs> <laughs> the Earth's moving. I feel it. Yeah. I feel nauseous all the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time, and I get, like, I get motion anything sick. 
Well, could you imagine having a job where you work in a toll booth then? It probably is constantly shaking. Oh, jeez. And the L is, like, elevated, so it's not even on, you know what I mean? It's, like, yeah. probably sh- shakes all the time. Yeah, and she says on there that her dad got sick, so they moved to Chicago because there was a good hospital, so and she like quit school and got a job there. And they never explain what her job, or what she was studying, or what she wanted to do. In fact, they kind of really never explain her dreams other than that she wants to travel. She wants to go to Florence. But we she don't know. Have a stamp in her passport's very important. Anything else, we don't know anything else about her. No, that's true. We don't really get, and I'm still okay with it, we don't get a lot of like backstory or anything it's really just that she wants a family i honestly think that her big thing is she wants a family and i think mm-hmm. in the 90s we were okay with women women only wanting a family that is what women should want <laughs> <laughs> and you should want nothing else i know i'm trying to think if there's a version of this where there's a man that's lying because he's an orphan but i feel like anything where it's like a man who's an orphan is like 50 shades of gray and he's or like a rich orphan who is damaged right it's 50 shades of gray or it's batman like it's <laughs> one <or the> other. <laughs> rich damaged brooding <laughs> not good in relationships women has to <laughs> has to do a lot of compromising yeah yeah bill pullman's not doing a lot of compromising to save sandra bullock in this no not really any compromising well there's not really like a need to save her she doesn't want to be safe she just wants to be loved yeah, it's it's nice that she's not she doesn't have that damaged feeling. She just feels like she's a lot to love to a lot of love to give and no one to give it to. And then she meets his family and she just like latches on and they latch on to her. <laughs> yeah, cuz you can imagine they do say one line which is when Peter's confessing all of his sins to Jack. He says, "I don't even know what the secretary got mom and dad for Christmas," which is a very Scrooge thing to say. Yes. But it's you kind of get the feeling of like Oh, the parents are probably so excited that they were bonding with Lucy because they probably haven't seen or heard from Peter in a long time. Yeah, he's clearly the son that is too cool to do the family functions. Yeah, I, I feel like he probably hasn't come to Christmas. I mean, Because we on, see him going on the train at Christmas Day. Right. He's clearly not, he's probably going to work. He's probably someone who likes work. And based off of his wallet portraits, he <laughs> likes tennis and skiing. <laughs> And I love that the family falls so in love with her that as soon as he wakes up and doesn't recognize her, they put it on him. Yeah, they're like, he must have amnesia. Selective amnesia. She can't be insane. Yeah, because we love her. It must be him. Which, thank God they don't do any, like, medical procedures on him or right, something. Right, they give him, like, a lobotomy. Oh, my God. You'll be happier this way. <laughs> and then they kind of try to cover it up by Sal, Sal the Godfather who knows, convinces him to re-propose. It's very uh, interesting because he keeps, Sal's like, oh, I'm going to fix it. I'll make it clear. I'll tell everyone <laughs> the situation. They can't kill me. They've known me and loved me a long time. Right. And the way he fixes it is like, ah, maybe just make him actually get married and then I don't have to do any of the work. And like, he must know that Peter sucks. Yeah, because he calls him a putz. Yeah. There's a part of me that's like, if they love Lucy so much, why are they trying to tie Lucy to this guy who sucks? I mean, he's rich. <laughs> he does have a really nice apartment in like a high-rise doorman building. He's got Ashley Bacon Bartlett, whatever her name is. Ashley, Ashley Bartlett. Bartlett Bacon. <laughs> Who he'd proposed to but is already married. He has her cat. And I love when Lucy goes over there and is like, here, kitty, kitty. Here, rich kitty. Now, but at the end when they reveal she's married, why would he have her cat? It makes absolutely no sense. She moved sense. to Portugal. Yeah, it's very strange. That whole thing comes out where it's like, um... You propose. Peter proposed. She said no. And then Ashley's like, I didn't say no. We just took a step back or whatever. And he's like, you moved to Portugal. 
But then she, when she calls to leaves one of her messages, says, I've cut my trip short. Which, like, moving somewhere is not a trip. Unless you're rich and that's what you just call it. <laughs> I'm going to stay for a while. So then he had her cat. I don't, yeah, I don't. That whole thing doesn't. Also, neither of them seem like they have pets. Um, I mean, yeah, the movie has a lot of flaws. In I don't some, care, though. But I don't care at all. Yeah, it doesn't bother me one bit. Because everyone is so charming, including the including the villains, like including Ashley, including oh Peter. she's great. They're both they're just charming in how like much they live in their awfulness. <laughs> well, and also the idea of where he's like we're breaking up, and she's like, well, I want my things back, and he's like, well, I want my things back. Your nose. Yeah, that was kind of a misogynist piggish yeah. thing to say. Also, it's like a. Also, if she's married, why is her boy, why is, why is getting... her lover buying her plastic surgery? Yeah, and and apparently breasts too. <sighs> and then he's like, she's like, well, then you know, you paid for my breasts, take these back too, or whatever. And he's like, keep them. I'm a changed man. And it's like, really, you just brought up the nose a second ago. I don't ago. think you're a changed man, sir. No, I would have, have hated to see Lucy end up with this guy. I and I think I think that's what. I think it's a great reveal, right? That mm-hmm. slowly throughout the film, we realize he's a piece of shit. Yeah. But it's like, you're still, because while he's sleeping, <laughs> he still has this mystery, right, of being fantastic. Yeah. And so I think that's why it's even better that she's falling in love with Jack, because we don't know that he sucks, Peter sucks yet. Right. So it's still, they still can have that guilt of like, oh, this is not right. We're hurting Peter. But then when he wakes up and he, we realize, oh, wow, he absolutely sucks, mm-hmm. let's dive in on who we really want to see together, which is Jack and Lucy. Yeah. Well, and I love, I just love Jack so much in this. I love when he's talking to Peter and he's like, I've never been envious of anything you've had until now. It's such a great line. Great (sighs) coma monologues. (laughs) Tip future writers, write monologues to comatose patients. (laughs) And then when he's talking to um, Peter later about Lucy, he says that she gets under your skin. Um, You don't know if you want to hug her or arm wrestle her, which is such a weird... Yeah, I don't know what that means. But it's adorable from it, him. No, it's, it's like cute. their banter. And he says she'd go all the way to Florence to just to get a stamp in her passport, which I don't know if that's insanity or just really, really likable. Which I think right there is such a great way for the audience to be okay with everything that happened because it's like what's, what's happening is insane. She's an insane person she's for like insane, but she's... faking her way through this and the movie is telling us, no, no, no. She's just really, really likable. I think that actually just encapsulates Sandra Bullock herself. <laughs> she's a little insane, Jesse James, uh, oh, but she's rough. really, really likable. So we can forgive her for all of her flaws or her quirks. But she's just so damn likable. She's so likable. I can't imagine anybody else in this movie. She's America's sweetheart. Well, and speaking of America's sweetheart, apparently um, Julia Roberts passed on this. Mm. Which she also passed on the movie we did last week, The Proposal. So and The Blind Side. Wow. Sandra Bullock is picking up Julia Roberts' <laughs> leftovers and killing it. Yes. Oh my gosh. I yeah, I can't imagine Julia Roberts in this. I'm sure she could do it, but it's not the same. I can't imagine Julia Roberts in this, but is it weird that I can imagine Sandra Bullock? In almost any other Julia Roberts <laughs> movie, like could you? Oh see, I could see her in Pretty Woman. Easily. I would have loved to see her try to do My Best Friend's Wedding. She could easily do that movie because it's such a great like part of which we've done on the podcast before. But the where she's like the main character who's also not likable. Yeah, but you love her anyway. Yeah, she's kind of a piece of shit when you, you realize what she's doing. Yeah, 
Yeah. That's so funny that I can't imagine Julia Roberts in any Sandra Bullock role, but I can imagine Sandra Bullock in any Julia Roberts role. Yeah, I wonder what that is. Because she's Sandra Bullock. She's She's amazing. She gets a month. She gets a month. Happy Sandra Bullocktober. Aw, thank you. Happy Sandra Bullocktober to you as well. (laughs) We should have been eating hot dogs because there's a lot of great hot dog jokes. She only likes hot dog with mustard. I don't know why this joke always really gets me, but it's when she goes to the hot dog stand and she, the guy's like, what do you want? And she's like, the usual. And he goes, and that is. <laughs> and it's clear that she's come there like every day because then she comes back later throughout the movie to the same guy and he hands her the hot dog and she goes, just mustard. Like she had said what she wanted and he fucked it up again. Yeah. And like, this is Sandra Bullock. She's not invisible, sir. Whereas the boss comes right after her and is like, the usual. And he's like, got it. It's because he's a man, right? <laughs> but that joke, I don't know if it's just setting up her that her character is like... Invisible? Kind of, yeah, but for some reason... It, She's hidden behind the toll booth glass. I love that joke for like, like that's how you're going to show that she's invisible. It makes me laugh every time that happens. And her boss is great in this too, their oh, relationship. He's, he's kind of a surrogate father a little bit. Surrogate father and really is just doesn't afraid to tell her like it is. <laughs> Okay, so we're we're getting to the end of this. Um, I love the wedding so much. So he has funny. decided to repropose. Repropose, and they're going to get married in the hospital. Yes. Why wait? Why wait? I still need my IV bag, and I'm <laughs> wearing an open gown with a. Blazer. Oh my god! We almost passed over leaning. We have oh. to talk about leaning. Yes. I'm so sorry. Before we get to the wedding, so he Jack comes over. He sees Joe Jr. and her. They're hugging. And it's totally nothing. It's absolutely platonic. And because then later, Joe Jr., as we said, is a trans hero. And was a pig. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're just friends. Uh, but he says, you know, the leaning. And it's like, what does that mean? The leaning. And I've never heard this before or since this movie. But apparently there is a difference between leaning and hugging. Hugging involves arms. Arms touching each other. Leaning is full body, like... Contact. Yeah, he says it involves wanting and accepting. And I was like, and that was honestly the sexiest thing Bill Coleman <laughs> has ever said. And he does it like as he's, he's like doing the lean to show her. And you think they're going to kiss. It's oh, yeah. so hot. And, and then Joe Jr. from the distance is like, Lucy, do you need help? Because it looks like he's leaning. <laughs> and he's like, thank you. But it's like, what universe is this thing? I've never heard. Maybe I like because I wasn't the right age in the nineties. I don't know if leaning really was a thing or if the movie created it. Yeah, by the time we were around, it was just straight to pussy grabbing. I think. <laughs> well, when the president's doing it, yeah, everyone can do it. It's um, okay. It's not okay. I do feel like a little bit. I want to bring this back in society. To bring back the lean. I want to bring back leaning. I mean... Like, I want girls to be like, did he go to second base? Did he lean? Did he lean? (laughs) Yeah. Did he lean? If I have a daughter, I will teach her this. Teach her the lean. Of course. You don't have to make the first kiss, but you can lean and let them know you're interested. I love it. Did you lean? Did you do the lean? Did you do the lean? Don't kiss him. Just do the lean. (laughs) Let him kiss you. Yeah, if he doesn't get the lean, he's not interested. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so back to the wedding real quick. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry for the tangent. Her wedding dress, her wedding hair, it's all depressing. It's very bad. And I think it's a sign that she's not meant to marry him. Because if she's meant to marry him, they would have put her in something pretty. Especially because then when she marries Jack, she's in like a full gown. And in this, she's in like a church dress. She's in a church dress and she's wearing like 
so- like tennis socks with like <laughs> some sad like kitten heels. Yeah, they almost seem like stage shoes a little bit. Yeah, to me. it's they are character shoes. Um, and I love this wedding so much. It's a little bit like the wedding in two weeks' notice. It is, or not two weeks' notice in the proposal. Yes, it's because it's small, and it's just and the she family objects in both of them. She stops the wedding in both. How many years apart of this movie? Like 20? Oh, yeah. This was 95 and that one's like 2009. Yeah. So that's very interesting that she kind of And yet they're so them. different and I love them both. And the chemistry of both men is great. Yes. This, I think the chemistry in this is better. I think that aside from like maybe Keanu Reeves or Matthew McConaughey. She does have great Keanu Reeves chemistry. I think this is the best chemistry she's had on screen, period. I could buy that. It's great. I'm so into it. I want to marry Bill Pullman now. Um, Bill Pullman, who is alive and well. For some reason, every time I talk about Bill Pullman, people think I'm talking about Bill Paxton. And they're like, oh, oh. It's so sad he's dead. I'm like, he's not dead. You he's know what's alive funny? Well. It's like Bill Paxton is such an amazing actor, blah, blah, blah. But I grew up on Casper and this and Independence Day. And so, like, Bill Pullman was the only, like, Bill P to me. I know that there's, like... Once Twister came out, I was like, oh, who's this guy? I've never seen Alien or any of those movies. But um, whenever people get them confused, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? There's only one Bill P. (laughs) That's it. And then Titanic, you also thought it was Bill Pullman. You're like, who is this guy? (laughs) He was not romantic. Small part, small part. Small part. He's not not a small actor. He's in love with old Rose. You don't get that? Those clear metaphors. Oh, jeez. Ugh. Okay, so the movie, I love that she interrupts the wedding. I love that she says, I object, and then immediately Jack says, I object. So cute. And then she's like, um, I'm in love with your son. And he, the dad goes, I know. And she's like, not that son. That son. It's, the whole thing is so good. As soon as she says, I object, the music kicks in. It's great. I mean, I object, honestly, is more romantic than saying I do. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I just, the whole, you know what I love about this is the movie feels like a play. It does. It feels like a Neil Simon play, kind of. It's got all those beats. Yes, it does feel like a Neil Simon play. It's a very, like, character-driven, like, little sketches throughout. Oh, my God. Should we put this on as a play, like, in North Hollywood? I feel like we could definitely do that. Don't you think we could? I wonder how hard it is to get the rights. Everyone listening, we are going (laughs) to do a While You Were Sleeping play. I bet we could do it. I think we could, too. I wonder if it's, like, just do it, like, the unauthorized stage version of while you were sleeping i mean if they can do like a a mean girls experience and have no affiliation with the movie oh my god nobody do this i really want to do it i'm gonna try i'm gonna look into this don't do it okay (laughs) it's our idea oh my god it'll be called while you were comatose (laughs) (laughs) while you were on the stage (laughs) um okay then the whole wedding erupts because Ashley Bartlett Bacon comes, and then her husband comes, and then Sandra Bullock sneaks off, and that's that. And then we get the scene of her undoing her Christmas lights. Movie is winding down. Yeah, very, like, mirror image at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then she's at the token. She's taking tokens. <laughs> and then dropped in the token. Wait, wait, right before that, though, there's the line that I love where the her coworker says, oh, we're going to miss you, last day. So she's quitting. She's quitting to follow her dream. To of going, going to Florence. Florence. Again, you don't get paid <laughs> I don't know what else she's doing. And then, right, dropped in instead of a token is a beautiful gold diamond engagement ring. And, and it's not only him, but it's the whole family. It's the whole Callahan. Except for Peter. It's the whole Callahan clan. <laughs> and he says, Lucy, I have to ask you a question. And I always hate the part where she goes, I can't. 
Or he's like, let me in. Can you let me in? And she's like, I can't. Not unless you give me a token. And that is the one part of the movie that I hate. Really? Why? I just don't like... I, for some reason, it doesn't play to me well. I think it's really cute that she teases him a little bit. Because he made her wait, like, days and not talking. <laughs> I don't know why that part always feels like a movie to me and it doesn't feel, like, romantic. But she lets him in. He gives the token. And then he comes in. And I do love this part because they get really close together. And he says, marry me. And she goes, yeah. And then, like, she puts her hands on his head and she's like, I love you. And he's like, I love you back. And then they kiss. And it's, like, a really good kiss. It's a really good kiss. And it does feel so cute. I think you're right about, like... The way she answers is just so, like, casual, but also mm-hmm. so meaningful and romantic. Uh, yeah, and, like, even though everyone's watching, it's, like, very intimate. Because they're inside the toll booth. Yeah. I love it so much. And then it cuts to them. They're on the back of a train, and it's just married. It was great. It, and gets, a, it gets a little campy and cheesy at the end, mm-hmm. but I'm here for it. Because the whole movie feels like a Disney it's camp so cheese factor. And she says in her monologue or voiceover or whatever at the end, she's like, and he gave me, you could say he gave me to the world. He gave me a trip to Florence. Again, not the world. That is one city <laughs> in Italy. Well, and also, she had kind of said that she was going on her honeymoon to Florence with Peter. She's got to dream bigger. So it? I feel like she was going regardless whether this guy came along or not. What I'm learning is toll booth workers make a lot of money. <laughs> well, not if she's never been to Florence. I guess not. That's right. Um, and then she says, I love that they throw this in. Um, Peter once asked me when it was that I fell in love with Jack, and I told him it was while you were sleeping. Yeah, saying the title is the last line. Come on, it is I a Neil Simon it. play. I love it so much, and it's so seamless in a way that, that like always makes me smile. I mean, I kind of wish that every Sandra Bullock movie ended with the last, like, and that's because we had to have speed. What? Mm-hmm. Just like, the last line is always the title of the film. And as I said, hope floats. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that would be a great thing. From now on, Sandra, I know you're listening, uh, obviously. Oh my God, I'm in my dreams, if I San- wish. Sandra, obviously, you're listening, so make sure from now on, all the films you do ends with the title of the movie, so your last line. I love it. That would be a great teaser at the end after the, of all the credits. Yeah. <laughs> and that was the net. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> this is why you shouldn't go on the internet. Net. <laughs> so, we didn't go over this in the beginning because I felt thrown off because Chloe's not here. When, uh, when was the last time you seen this movie? And does it hold up? I think I probably haven't seen this movie since I was in high school and watching it on oh, wow. TV. So, like, good 10 years. And I think it does hold up. And I don't know if it's just because, again, mm-hmm. nostalgia for the 90s and having seen this movie a lot when after it came out. But their chemistry is timeless, is what yeah. I will say. I think it holds up. It's campy, but in a way that is likable. And what I think is so great about this, in a lot of times in rom-coms, you feel like the women are kind of like, a little bit subservient or are, like, embarrassing themselves. And this, I feel like, is a really feminist rom-com. I feel like she's on equal footing the whole time. Um, I never feel like she's making a fool of herself or anything. No, and she's never, like, bending over backwards for anyone else, really, other than that, other than for this guy who's asleep. But she really, like, she always gets herself to her own apartment, closes the door on dudes that are coming after her. Mm -hmm. She holds her own. And she's not really continuing the lie in a crazy way. It's like, things happen and she notices things, so it keeps going. But she's not, like, bending over backwards to keep up the charade. Right. 
Like, you can tell throughout that she would kind of like to pull the plug. She just doesn't know how. No, it's, I think the script, they do a good job of justifying her craziness. Mm -hmm. Because she has opportunities to tell them, but then something crazy happens, so she can't. And I saw this movie in theaters, I remember. Because I remember that part where the newspaper boy is riding his bike and he slips and falls. That that got a huge laugh in the theaters. And then I just read on IMDb that that was not planned and that kid broke his wrist. <gasps> Are you kidding? That's what it said on IMDb. When I was watching, <laughs> when just watching just now, I thought, what poor stunt person to do that it was not a stunt. But you have to appreciate that they were like, let's leave it in. He broke his wrist for God's sake. I mean, yeah, it was worth it. And it's funny. It's very funny. Um, but I, I watch it every year for Christmas, so I haven't seen it since December. And it, it holds up to me. To me, this is like along the lines of the holiday or Sleepless in Seattle. These are my go-to Christmas rom-coms that always make me feel good. It's like a warm blanket to me. Like, I just want to watch it and, like, eat Christmas cookies. It's like a weighted blanket. Oh, that's perfect. Um, And one thing I did find out, which I didn't know, was that Sandra Bullock did actually get nominated for a Golden Globe for this for Best Actress in a Comedy or Musical, and she 100% deserved it. Yeah, she was fantastic. She lost to Nicole Kidman in To Die For. Okay, I mean... And then they pair up in Practical Magic. Amazing. <laughs> and IDB said Nicole Kidman auditioned for this. Hmm. I don't know if that's true. I, whenever it says that stuff, I'm always like, like how, how do you know real? who auditioned? Yeah, because how do you know like if she auditioned or if she just was like on the list? Right. But, um, you know, if Nicole Kidman did audition for this and not get it and then did To Die For and won the same year, good for her. Good for her. You know, she had a lot to prove that year. She just divorced Tom Cruise. And <laughs> she's going through stuff. So that's okay. I wish the Cinder Bullock would have won, though. Yeah. It was a fantastic performance. Because I feel like Cinder Bullock is so good at comedy, and she should have a Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy. Yeah, she's great at balancing real, raw emotions, like feeling like the loneliness you see her feel with mm-hmm. like being like totally charming and adorable. I love it. Thank you so much for doing the podcast. Thank you for having me. Do you have like social media or anything you want to promote? What do I want to promote? Everyone, uh, you (laughs) should come see me do stand-up. I have seen her do stand-up. It is hilarious. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm Lauren Valley from the Valley. So if you just Google that, you'll find me. Yay. Yay. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for listening. You can find us on Instagram at you had me at romcom. And we will be posting clues for our next Sandra Bullock rom-com that will be coming out next week. Um, You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. And thank you. And happy Sandra Bullocktober. Yay.